Um, few announcements. Pray for us, the youth group. We're going to Bible camp right after my lesson. So that's why my lesson will be a little bit short today. So don't be surprised. For some of you who are scared, oh, it's Carlos preaching. Nope. I have to go to Spanish to preach too. So it's like, um, got to submit to the time. <laughs> Um, that's one announcement. Pray for us. We're going to a Bible camp right after service. And um, pray for a safe trip. But more than that, pray for God, the Holy Spirit, to move powerfully among our kids um, this week. Also, if you couldn't take your picture um, for the directory, you can contact the church office and they will be able to assist you um, on this. Today we have the potluck picnic, children's ministry. All the information is here in the bulletin. Take a look of it and don't, do not forget to bring food to share. That's really, really important. Uh, also, we're, we're uh, doing this school supply donations for Christian Home for Children. So there's a complete list here inside of the bulletin of all the items that we are receiving. Uh, so all help, it's like valid and we really need your uh, cooperation for, for this. And as you can see, the date, uh, the deadline for this is August uh, 4th. Let me see. Yeah, and the last one, we have a youth service day at the end of the month. That will be on July 29th. That's a Monday. So pray for us. But at the same time, if you know uh, any opportunities for us to join and serve the community, please let me know. We have a couple of projects already, but if you have, you know, a, a non-profit organization that you know, or a, somebody that needs any help, specifically probably at, at your house or something, let us know. That day we're going to dedicate uh, that whole Monday to serve the community and also to serve the church if we have uh, members in need with stuff to do at home or... Uh, any relatives that need help as well, we're going to be able to help. So please contact me. Let me know. I'll be out the whole week, but you can text me. If you don't have my number, you can call the church office, and they will be able to provide it to you. Okay, before we start with the lesson, I'm going to have a Bible reading. And then right after that, I'm going to go deeper into the Word. morning church i'll be reading from the book of mark chapter 12 verses 13 through 27 it's mark chapter 12 verses 13 through 27 then they sent some of the pharisees and the herodians to jesus to trap him in his words when they came they said to him Teacher, we know you are truthful and don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality, but teach the way of God truthfully. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarii to look at. They brought a coin. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked them. Caesar's, they replied. Jesus told them, Give to Caesars the things that are Caesars, and give God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and questioned him. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife behind, but no child, that man should take the wife and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first married a woman and dying left no offspring. The second also took her, and he died, leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise. 
None of the seven left offspring. Last of all, the woman died too. In the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be since the seven had married her? Jesus spoke to them. Isn't this the reason why you're mistaken? You don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, haven't you read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, and of God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. God bless and be with you all. Thank you. Asking questions is an art. You know, when you want to know somebody, the best way to interact with that person is to start asking questions. That's what I do all the time. Like when we have new kids in the youth group, for example, I say, hey, what's your name? That's the the first question that we ask. And then sometimes they don't answer. Uh, It's kind of interesting. It's like, oh, so you don't have a name? Yeah, I do. Uh, So what's your name? Then they say it and I don't understand it. It's like, so we're talking repetition. Can you say it again and stuff? Or, and then, uh, uh, you have a boyfriend, you have a girlfriend. What do you do? What do you like to eat? And it's like, why are you asking all these questions? Are you interrogating me? Kind of, but I'm trying to get to know you. So asking questions is really good. But sometimes, and you can't deny this, sometimes people ask interesting questions. Like, for example, they see you struggling with something. Like one day I was really struggling trying to change this tire of my, uh, you know me, uh, it's, it's kind of hard for me, like really change a tire of a car, and, 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 and I'm humble enough to ask. <laughs> so I was struggling and I was sweating, and I was, it was like, it was really hard, and then somebody came and said, oh, are you struggling with that? It's like, well, no, it's just always good, you know, having fun, changing a tire here is just fantastic. It's like, oh, and then, um, it's a, do you need help? It's like, what do you think? <laughs> or, or, oh, my wife is not here, right? Let me say, okay, yeah, she's not here. So, sometimes I'm sleeping, like, and then she opens the door and says, hey, are you sleeping? <laughs> well, not anymore. Not anymore. Or when they see you eating and then they come, people come and say, oh, wait, are you eating? <laughs> yes, I'm eating. And, uh, and then we think, like, why are you know, asking these kind of questions? But sometimes people, they ask you these tricky questions. I remember that when I was in middle school, this guy came one day and said, hey, so you're a Christian, right? So yeah, okay, I have a question for you. So okay, yeah, go ahead. So do you think that God is almighty? Oh, yes, I, I believe that. Oh, you think that He can do like everything? Yes, that's, that's true. Like everything, yeah. So can God create a stone that heavy that He won't be able to lift? And I was like, oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah. Because if you say yes, He said, that He can create that stone, that means that He's really powerful. But then if He can't lift it, that means that there's some things that He can do. Then, He's not Almighty. And I was like... This guy, should I kill him first and then give him the answer or not? What should I do? And then I was like, okay, well, listen, I want to tell you something. He can, but he's not going to do it. And then you say, why? Because he doesn't want to do it. (laughs) But how do you know that? Well, because he's God and he's not going to waste his time doing those kind of things. He's bringing salvation to the world. 
one day people, you know, what this, this group of people were in this conversation. And uh, I never tell people that I'm a minister in the church. I, I never do that. I, I just enjoy listening to them and then their perspective, their opinions about everything. And then when they ask, hey, what do you do? Well, guess. Say, so, oh, um, you are an attorney? Uh, no. So you this? No. I'm a minister for a church. And they changed. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. We didn't mean to say those bad words. And the, oh, let, let me apologize. And then um, they said, oh, now you're in church, right? Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you something. Why are Christians just like this? Hating people all the time, rejecting people. It's like, and then you feel that they're not asking you anything. They're just attacking you. Like the guy, when I was in middle school, he was trying to attack me. People nowadays do the same thing. And I'm surprised that this is not a new experience for any of us. In the book of Mark, we see this episode of this group of people asking questions to Jesus. And it's really interesting that they didn't have an authentic desire to learn something about Him. They didn't have the authentic desire to um, know God better. Those were tricky questions. And then the first one is, it's probably one of the biggest contradictions that we find in the New Testament. This group of people, the Pharisees and the Herodians. They didn't like, this is so interesting because they didn't even have good relationships among them. They didn't. But they decided to get together to try Jesus. So that, hey, Jesus, Master, Rabbi, may I ask you something? And Jesus was like, sure, yeah, you can. Okay, so, um, is it correct to pay taxes? Is it correct to do this or not? All the money, yeah, you know, it goes to Caesar. And then, what do you think? It's so obvious that they knew the answer. In the context, we can see that the Pharisees and the Herodians, pretty much the Pharisees, they, they had that internal fight, you know, about paying taxes to Caesar. It's like, no, because, you know, um, according to a scripture, we cannot have any image of anything, not even the stuff uh, in heaven or here on earth. These coins, they have an image of Caesar, and then this is the coins that we use to pay taxes. And if we pay taxes to Caesar, that means that we are surrendering as well, and that we are under his authority for everything he does. So that means that we cannot pay. So they had that. Battle, you know, they were like fighting in, in inside, like thinking, okay, this is this is not correct. We cannot pay taxes to him. So they they were trying to to trick Jesus, saying, Hey, what do you think? Because if Jesus said yes, you have to do it, he's like, Oh, so you are in favor of Caesar then, and that means that you're not the Messiah. But if Jesus said, Well, no, don't do it, oh, you're rejecting the authority of the Roman Empire. So it was a tricky question. And Jesus said, okay, well, he didn't say yes or no. He said, let me see a coin. He said, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, a coin. So whose face is this? Oh, well, Caesar. Oh, nice. So give to Caesar what belongs to him. And give to God what belongs to God. And they were like, 
amazed. Wow! So the question is, why were they so amazed about that simple answer? There's many, many uh, powerful lessons here. And the first one is this. So when they saw the coin, when they saw the coin, it's not only the image of Caesar, but it's also the scripture on the coin. Son of God. High priest. They're like, oh, wait. Why Jesus said that they were like hypocrites? Why? Because they were saying, we cannot pay taxes using this coin. But that was the exact same coin they were using for any commercial transaction. And more than that, for any commercial transaction inside of a temple. And we already saw that a couple weeks ago. They were like, oh, you know what? We cannot pay taxes with these coins. Okay, this is really bad. Hey, uh, can I pay for that? Because I didn't bring an animal for the sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, give me that coin. Oh, yeah, but it's sister. It doesn't matter. Give me that coin. And Jesus was like, look at what you're doing. Look at what you're doing. So, one thing that I want to mention between the two stories, the Pharisees and, 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 and then the Sadducees, when they decided to treat, uh, to treat Jesus with the, uh, the question about resurrection, is this. The root of both behaviors here is religion. Religion brings or produces hypocrisy, but at the same time, religious brings blindness, spiritual blindness. When, when people concentrate all of their efforts to follow a specific religion, they cannot see the deepest stuff of God. And, and, and here is the situation. When you are blind, when you are blind, you only see yourself and your behavior, but you're unable to see God. Verse 17 is the most important one in the first block for me. Give to Caesar what the things are, that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were eerily amazed at him. They saw the image of Caesar in the coin. And Jesus is trying to tell them, listen, look at this. He's already receiving the honor that he wants. He wanted his image in the coin. He wanted everyone to see him as the son of God. He's receiving that honor. Why are you so concerned about these things? And this is the first lesson. Because the most important part is not about paying taxes or not. The most important part of this lesson is not about submitting to the government or not. The most important part is when Jesus said, Give to God the things that are God's. Two powerful lessons here in this verse. Number one, the image of Caesar was in the coin. That was the glory of Caesar. And he was happy about it. But Jesus is telling them, whose image is in you? Do not forget that you are the image of God. Do not forget that you were created on His image. Are you really reflecting that? Are you really giving your whole life to God? Are you really like empowering others to be closer to God? You are the image of God. You see this coin over here. This is the image of a king here on earth. But you guys, he said, you are the image of God. And with this kind of behavior, you are not honoring Him. So the question is, when people see you, because we all are coins in this sense. When people see you, what do they see? 
Is that the image of God in you? Is that the image of your own talents? It's the image of the things you have? It's the image of pride and resentment? Lack of forgiveness? What do they see in you? What kind of coin are you? What image are you reflecting to the world? Again, the most important part is not about the legal thing on earth. But for Jesus, the most important part is, Hey, you're too concerned about this image that you cannot see that you're missing your purpose. You are the reflection of God on the earth. Let me go deeper into this. In the book of Leviticus, it's really interesting how God was basically letting Israel understand this. Hey, this is the land. You are responsible for handling everything with the land. So people, they should be able to use it for their own purposes. If they want to grow fruit or stuff like that, you are responsible for that. The land belongs to God. In the book of Leviticus, we see a lot of Bible verses when God is instructing the, uh, His people, Hey, I am the owner of the land. You are only the managers, administrators. You are those who are in charge of providing everything to those in need. So in this context, the religious leaders, they're kind of like the tenants that we saw in the story last week. They were the managers of the land. And the land belongs to God. So another application here is this. Jesus is saying, you're too concerned about this coin. But how are you doing the management of the land that I gave you? You're struggling because you're paying to Caesar taxes, but you cannot uh, struggle about how bad you treat your community. And you're not showing mercy to, to the poor, and you're not helping those in need. You're too concerned about little things that you have forgotten about the most important thing. Serve others with the things I have given to you. And sometimes this can happen to us as well. We live like too concerned about our personal things, our religion, our way to do things. That we put God in this box and then we think that, oh, God is exactly like this. And it doesn't matter that we forget. That if we do not love our neighbor, no matter what, and if we do not show mercy and grace and be there for others, then we're missing the most important thing from Christianity. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of political tension in this country right now. And I'm not saying that that is bad. Probably it's needed for the world. I'm going to say it again. Maybe it's needed for the world. But for us, instead of being concerned about political issues all the time, let's remember those who are in need. Let's remember those who are suffering and struggling. Let's remember the image that we are reflecting to the world is the image of Jesus Christ. So next time you get involved into a political conversation, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's. It's all about reflecting the image of Jesus. Showing mercy, grace, and be there for those in need. Now, the second thing is this. second thing is this. The Sadducees come and say, hey, oh, Jesus, another group now. This is so interesting. Look, 
one religious group and now we have the other religious group. So the Pharisees, they were like middle class people in the first century. They were in charge of a lot of um, um, uh, religious, you know, uh, tasks and activities, but mostly for the middle class. So um, that's why they had a lot of influence among people in the first century. The Sadducees on the other side, they were the high class, well educated. They were kind of like professionals. So they came to Jesus and said, hey, master, we want to ask you something. Because we know that you're really good on these things. I don't know if they were trying to, you know, just make fun of Jesus or something. Because they came up with this story like, hey, listen, uh, this lady, he was married to somebody. He died. No children. Then according to the law, the brother needed to be responsible. So he did it. Then he died. Then another one. Then he died. And another one. Seven of them. And then they were like, oh, let me ask you something, Jesus. In the resurrection. Remember that they didn't believe in the resurrection. In the resurrection. Who's going to be her husband? Well, this reminds me of a story about this guy. This beautiful couple. They were in love. They were super happy. And then they had the ceremony at church and everything. And one day, she died. Well, he died. He died. So he's, 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 he's um, entering to heaven. And then Peter is over there. And Peter said, hey, welcome. Hey, how was your life on earth? Well, it was really good, you know. I had a good life, a good job, and a good marriage. And it was pretty good. And then suddenly, he saw his wife coming in. And the wife was like, hey, babe. Hey, babe, I'm here. And then he said, no, 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 no. The pastor said that that only applies for earth, not heaven. <laughs> so, yes, until the death separated us. Okay, fine. The guy was like, well, they're here. This group of people, they didn't believe in the resurrection. It's like, hey, who's going to be the, uh, the husband? And Jesus said, you guys don't get it. You don't understand. They'd be like angels. There won't be a need for marriage anymore. But more than that, this is really powerful because they didn't believe in resurrection, but they didn't believe in angels either. And now Jesus is like, hey, in the resurrection, they'll be like angels. What is this? For me, the most powerful thing is when Jesus said... Haven't you read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are badly mistaken. This is people that were reading the scripture every day. This is people preaching the scripture probably every day as well. They had a lot of knowledge. They had a lot of information. But sadly, there is a big principle here. And Jesus said, it's not only about knowing the scriptures, but also trusting in the power of God. You can't see it. They had a lot of knowledge. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Your Christianity... It's not about the things you know. 
It's not about how much Bible you know. It's not about how much stuff you know. You know, this group of people, they were like, well, we do not believe in the resurrection because we have read the whole Old Testament and nothing is there. And if nothing is there in the Old Testament, then I don't do it. Sometimes we have the same rule for the New Testament. If I don't say it there, I don't do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not introducing anything new. Please. But what I'm trying to say is this. Knowledge. Without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it will be pure information only. And it's not going to bring any transformation. To really experience God, we need more than information. We need more than knowledge. We live in a generation that wants to know and understand everything in order to believe it. If I understand, and if I know, then I believe. I was telling the kids in the youth class today, that God, to really go deeper into God, knowledge and experience, it's important. According to science, we only use 10% of our brain. According to science, we only use that 10%, and this is how we live. And then I was thinking, wow, it's just so amazing that we only use 10% of our brain, but we pretend to know everything about God already. With that 10%. And then I thought, oh wow, now that makes sense. Because that 10% of information... It's going to allow me to understand a little bit of the Lord, a little bit of God. But that's why, in my own mind, I'm not capable of really understanding God or seeing God the way He is. Then He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to complete the other 90%. I don't know if you're following me with this. But what I'm trying to say is that with your brain and with your knowledge... It's really hard to experience God. But when you have Jesus in your life, not the Jesus you want to understand. I have seen many Christians using this verse in um, uh, Mark twelve seventeen to say, See, you have to pay taxes. You have to do it. I'm not saying you have to do it. Okay, by the way, yeah, you have to do it. But I'm not saying, but the text is not about that. It's not about that. And here, people taking the other block. Oh, you see? In heaven, darling, we are not going to be married. Because you see, it's different. And I'm so sorry. It's uh, here only on earth. And uh, well, uh, it was so good to spend some time with you. Uh, but in heaven, in the eternity, we won't be together. We won't be together. So God bless you. Um, that is not the point of the lesson. That is not the point of the scripture. What Jesus is saying is, hey, it will be a new order. So that you can understand. Like when the baby is inside of the mom. Comfortable. Receiving all the, 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 um, the, the, the elements that he needs to grow. And he's happy. Sometimes he's like kicking and moving. And he's happy. But then by the time for him to go out to a new reality. He starts crying. And crying and crying. Out of her, uh, his comfort zone. It's like, okay, that's it. A new environment is like, no, I want to go back into my mommy. No, no, no. It's the same thing with a Christian life today. We are surrounded with God's presence. Like the baby is surrounded with the mommy's presence. 
We're surrounded by that presence. But one day, we're going to be into a new reality that we don't know. We try to explain that reality. It was going to be like this, like this. We're going to be singing, singing. Yeah, singing for the eternity. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, singing. Only singing. Okay, that's kind of scary. Because I know that that sister in church is like, okay. So, uh, singing only. But no, it's, it's going to be a new reality. It's going to be a new reality, a powerful reality. Jesus said, stop thinking about the little things and experience me deeper. Stop making conversations about things that doesn't matter at all. They don't matter at all. Sometimes we get engaged into this uh, things that they don't matter at all. It's everything about Jesus, the living God. Loving Him and experience Him deeper. So my encouragement this morning, brothers and sisters, is this. We need to be authentic in our Christianity. And in order for us to be authentic, we need to stop thinking that all the rules and the stuff we see on earth are on top of the rules of God. Because at the end, we are ambassadors of Jesus. We are the image of the Lord. We are the image of the living God. And He's not going to be concerned about, Oh, uh, tell me, uh, what position did you have on this topic? And on this topic? And on this topic? And on this topic? At the end, He's going to be like, What did you do to be me? For those who were in need. For those who were struggling. For those who were suffering. Remember, I'm the owner of everything. And I have given that to you. Be wise. Be me for them. And the second thing is this. Don't think that just because information is in front of you, you know God already. They knew a scripture, but they were badly mistaken. They knew a scripture, but they were badly mistaken. We need the experience of the Lord. We need to allow Jesus to give us this revelation. And I'm talking about new revelation, like, oh, God told me. No, 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 I'm talking about that. Sometimes we're reading the Bible and we don't understand. We just don't see it. Because we have to be open to the Holy Spirit to really see what He's trying to communicate to us. Real transformation. Real experience. That's the goal for every Christian. And that's the goal. That God has in mind for us. Please stand. We're going to be um, praying. And one of the elders is going to be here. Uh, Brother Jeff. And, um, and then if you have any uh, prayer requests or um, Thanksgiving um, uh, action, you can just come while we're singing. And, um, and then we'll be happy to pray for you. God bless you.